Hey there. Welcome to the in-between. This is Colson Lechner on the intro because John Redfern is out. He has taken some much needed rest. And in here with the or in here with me in the studio is Paul McKenzie and uh, Chris Legg. And we're gonna be talking about your partners in crime. For, yeah, I forgot the applause button. That's right, exactly. Cricket, cricket. <laughs> womp, womp. Oh man, the pink oh. one failed me. <laughs> Dad gummit. Um, but yeah, my partners in crime, Paul and Chris, and, uh, right before we started recording, Chris was already in unpacking some things that he was thinking about some thoughts that have been bouncing around in his head about, uh, this next sermon on, or in the Advent series we've waited for so long. And so I'm going to get out of the way and, uh, let the debrief happen. So this is great. Yeah, this is this is bigger than even the this Sunday. It's next. It's the next two Sundays, and then it's the next month after that. And uh, as of right now, my plan um, is to be uh, on sabbatical about at sometime around the end of January, beginning of February, and and working on that. And I mean, it's it's been super exciting to to look at some of that and. And plan on some of that, but it's, um, I don't know, for some reason it also seems in my mind to put extra weight on these January sermons coming up as well. And in January, I tend to do, um, I tend to do some kind of, I don't know what to call it. It's not, it's kind of a, a not vision casting, so to speak, or a call to serve or a state of the union. Right. It's kind of yeah. a weird combination of all of that. But it has to do with our identity, who we are, and it always is that, who we are as a church, and because I think identity is vital. Mm-hmm. It's the vital foundation, who we are. And and I feel like, you know, after studying First Peter and then during sabbatical, we're going to have six psalms, Lord willing, six psalms taught by six different pastors. Um, and so during January, the idea of what is it, who who are we when it comes to being prepared to serve, like who are we really? And I feel like that's a new, like there's a whole new conversation now coming about this after COVID and after yeah. Lord willing, we're, we're, it feels like for the most part, Texas is kind of done with that. It's, it's so strange to listen to the podcast, the news that I do and hear, Hey, new, new mandates going on in New York. I'm like, yeah, wow, we are in two different planets anyway. But being prepared to serve, being prepared to suffer, being prepared to sacrifice, like those are, my brain's kind of doing that in the new year. But but part of that is still connected so much to this wilderness idea that's been the theme, the suffering idea that's been the theme in First Peter, and the waiting yeah. theme. And obviously there's no contradiction between mm-hmm. those three ideas, waiting, wilderness, suffering, whatever. Okay, but. So as I'm working towards that, I'm also working together on the next two Advent which are about waiting still. And I'm trying to figure out what the right, who the right people are. <coughs> One, what are the right themes? Like when we wait, what do we do? And so we've already talked about while we wait, we, we wait eagerly um, and patiently. And then this last Sunday, really focusing on we wait while we, and we watch and we listen. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. And so now what? And so I know I want to do while we wait, we're, we prepare, or we're prepared to act in the midst of waiting, that that's part of what waiting is. 
And that was that was the wise men, right? I, I'm thinking the wise yeah. men. I mean, that's what makes the most sense to me is, as I'm thinking wise men, but in, in such a weird, it's one of those deals like where we talk it's about every with Advent. Yeah. It's like hope, love, joy, peace. Well, who 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 rep- represents peace best? Um, well, kind of all of them do. Could yeah. you can you can tell any of their stories through the lens of peace or hope or joy and. And you could do, and it's like every sermon, every single sermon's ever been preached. Like today's theme was brought to you, today's sermon was brought to you by the theme hope. Almost every single, single sermon, sermon that's ever done had better be about hope, yeah. right? Yeah. If it has Christ in it, which every sermon should, <laughs> should have be, yeah, Christ exactly. in it, then yes, it should have hope. And so, and you go, but the same thing you're like, and today's sermon was obviously brought to you by peace. And you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. Like, But again, every sermon better have love, joy, peace, and hope in it mm-hmm. at some level so that's that offers me. Uh, the, the, I've joked for years, like the Advent, the four Advent candles offer me like no guidance. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's like, yeah. I mean, I could teach on hope. I could do that, and I've never actually done that. And mm-hmm. maybe next year that, that we <laughs> actually do the yeah, words. Second Peter, for what it is, we'll yeah. run out and we'll teach whatever the correct order is. I just read something today saying hope is the first supposed to be the first one, which we did as the second, second one. Second one, mm-hmm. but again, there's not real agreement on that. Anyway, I'm just throwing this out here as. When I'm talking about waiting and I'm talking about Advent and I'm talking about, you know, while we while we wait, we what? Mm-hmm. And prepare seems like an obvious one that we need to talk about. Watching and listening seemed like one mm-hmm. that really Simeon taught me. So is is while we wait, we trust seems significant. Yeah, but, listen thinking about that when you mentioned waiting and trusting, and then again, trying to just think of characters to associate with that. Really, Abraham is who came to mind mm-hmm. back in Genesis. I mean, this notion of in you know eleven chapter 11, we find out that um, Sarah can't have any children, and immediately following that in 12, God says he's going to make Abraham a father of a nation. Right. And then even more specifically to Sarah, he promises in chapter 17 that she would bear a son. Mm. But this, what started in 11 and takes all the way to Genesis 21 to then finally have Isaac and then him show up in the picture and be the fulfillment. And I, th- I think it's Abraham and Sarah do represent probably the best of trusting as far as a human expression because they exemplify it well and there's times they don't especially Abraham, when he's like, mm-hmm. I'll just take this in my own hands. Ooh, yeah. And how much, again, is that our human condition? And yet that doesn't that doesn't invalidate God's promise to him. Right. This is an unconditional promise that God has made to him um, that he was going to do this. And so even in his lapses of trust, um, or even when he mistakes the maybe the source of God's promise, when he thinks he is the one who can initiate God's promise into fulfillment, um, even in those moments, it, he doesn't invalidate God's promise to him, and God is still faithful to provide. And then they they get to be then now this father and mother of a great nation that he has chosen. You know, I had written along when when I first started writing down ideas about the concept of waiting. I went to Abraham, but for a totally different reason. It was the I'm going to give you this land when the people in this land are mm, wicked enough. Yeah. I'm going to send you back to wipe them out and to take over. And that's a 400 to 500, 500 year gap, yep. um, which I, I love that conversation for a lot of reasons, but okay. So this is really good because one of the things I was considering was 
when I think about waiting, and so this is the therapist now thinking, when I think about people waiting and when I've watched people have to wait, um, baby issues yeah. has been one of the most powerful examples that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we went through a period after, so we, we, it, uh, and I'm, I'm again, so much of my life is defined by this being bad at waiting. Like I have poems that I wrote at 19 about I'm never going to be married. Like I'm just, I'm so 19, 20, 21. I was so done with waiting to be married. Like mm-hmm. I was 19 <laughs> and, and yet like what, what was I possibly thinking? I mean, the level of, of impatience. And it was at like age 20 when God had to, I, I, I can imagine God being like, I'm, he, he doesn't need this lesson yet. He doesn't and finally like, okay, fine. He needs the list, list, lesson now was a key moment of, of realizing God didn't owe me anything. And that was, yeah. that was really a painful moment to realize, oh my gosh, God hasn't promised me a spouse or children or any, I mean, he's not promised me those things. And so he doesn't owe me anything about that. Yeah. It was, it was not a happy time mm. to realize I could go my entire life without some of the things that I am waiting for most impatiently. Yeah. Mm. And that God. doesn't invalidate God being a good God, right. God who gives good gifts, a God who's sovereign over your life, yeah. putting forth the best situation for you to follow him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of the, none of those things can coincide. They don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't want to have to wait on any of those things. And so but we went through a period at the beginning of our marriage. You know, we did the kind of traditional wait a couple of years to start trying to get pregnant thing and and uh, and then at some point, I don't remember exactly how long it was. Between there was, we had two pregnancies and two miscarriages before Mark. But that was a, I feel like that whole Ginger probably knows to the month. But that that whole period of time was, I feel like, so probably three or four years mm-hmm. that we were ready to have a baby and didn't have one. And I remember Ginger coming home some days with this, you know, seeing some teenage girl with three children, this was her thinking, some teenage girl with three children at Walmart being semi-abusive to them and wanting to go up to her and go, I'll take them. Mm. Listen, if you're done with them, just I'll take them. I mean, if you, if you don't want those kids, I want kids. Can you give me your kids? I mean, if you don't want your kids, do you? And, and just the level of hurt that she felt like, why, why is God giving that woman children and not giving us children? And, and that was just a few years of waiting and the pain of miscarriages, which is, you know, tougher for us as men to wrap our brains around. But man, that's not a, that feels to me like the most, I don't know, difficult. I don't even know what the right word is. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'm qualified to talk about even that kind of waiting. Like maybe yeah. I need to get the language of some women who experience that waiting, but waiting on, um, I remember, I remember you and I, uh, I'll say hanging out in the Dominican Republic when you thought you were about to have a son. Yeah, through adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have you guys waited for, and the adoption process was a very yeah the second go around because that was my that was before Mila. Yeah, yeah, and just the the feeling of waiting, like when mm-hmm. when is this going to happen? And the the roller coaster of great news and you and I celebrating. Yeah, and us changing all of the plans so I can get back in the country so this can happen. And then it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the next time. And then mm-hmm. it doesn't. You know. Yeah, there is something about that concept of waiting waiting for a child. But what, 
waiting waiting for God's blessing, I think, is kind of ultimately that wraps that up. Where yeah. oh, there's there's something so right about it, but something that is just so against our own fabric, our own tendencies. Mm-hmm. Waiting for His provision, waiting for His blessing, mm-hmm. waiting for yeah. these these good gifts that He gives some people. And then the pain of it not being us, at least not yet. Yeah, that's that's really hard. Who are who are all the women we I feel like there are a lot of women in scripture who are not who the Bible describes as not gonna have children and then God gives them children. Like you mentioned Sarah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that Samson's mother? Was she child? I mean it, it, she certainly has promised. Samson, was it from childlessness? I need a Manoah's wife. We're going to be in Judges. Uh, From my quick Google search, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel are three women in Genesis who experience biological barrenness. Um. Yep, the three of them. Yeah, Judges thirteen. Manoah, because Manoah is the one. Does, isn't mm-hmm. the Manoah one says, "Aren't I better than?" Or is that Samuel's dad? Um, his wife was barren and had no children. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Samson's mother is there, and the angel Lord appears to her and tells her, um, and then we have. I don't remember. Do both of so Sarah and Rebecca do both of um uh Jacob's wives? I feel like one of them. Rebecca and Rachel. So what you just set found Colson. Mm-hmm. But Rebecca, that's I mean, his two wives aren't isn't aren't they Leah and Rachel? Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. So. W- Isaac's wife, Rebecca. Yeah, Isaac's wife, and then Jacob's wife. But I don't remember if both. I know both of his wives. Have, they're having a competition about children. But I feel like it's. I think like it's Rachel who do, who can't have a child for a while. It like is Leah, Leah has children first, and then Genesis, Rachel. Oh, yeah, Genesis twenty nine thirty one is what it says. And Jehovah saw that Leah was despised and gave him children, but Rachel was barren. Yeah. Okay, that's your comparison thing you just cited in your own story. What do you mean? Why why are they having kids and I'm oh, not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. That's it's a natural and I feel like so was Samuel's mother I feel like Samuel's mother may have been Anna. Is that her name? Yeah, or yeah. Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Um but I feel like maybe she was. She prayed for, I know she prayed for her son. Is hers mm-hmm. the one who's the husband is like aren't I better than you uh, better to you than seven children? I know that's in there, and I, I didn't know if it was Samson's dad or Samuel's dad. Um, but Hannah, <clears throat> he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. That's First Samuel 1, 5, and 6. Yep. That's when she's... um. 
Yeah, there it is. Ha, got it. It's not ten, not seven sons, it's ten. Verse eight. Yeah. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? What a guy thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a guy thing to say. Like, aren't I'm I? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Isn't he? Because, like, yeah, you replace a child in my heart. Like, no, you don't. Mm. <laughs> That's not the same thing. That's a weird comparison. I mean, I, I totally can get what he like no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I <laughs> clean up after you. <laughs> you're a child. You eat like a child. Do we have her name? Elkanah had two wives. Oh, Hannah, we just said yeah, it. Yeah. Hello. Hannah. Thank you. All right. All right. Pay attention. All right. Versus Peninnah. Peninnah's the wife with the children. And yeah. Hannah's not. And Peninnah's provoking her. Wow. And then, of course, since we're talking Advent story, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's look over to her story. How I feel like Luke 1. It's got to be Luke 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the birth of John the Baptist. Zechariah, yep, they, verse 6. This is one of those that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes mm. of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. That is such a great... Yeah, advanced in years. Um, but but they righteous were... It, yeah, it wasn't because of some... This was no punishment. This was no consequence of their sin. This was... Mm-hmm. They just... It's one of those, you know... We would love for there all to be this cause and effect. Oh, bad things happen, mm-hmm. hard things happen because you messed this up. Because we I messed, messed up, it. right? Exactly. That we it is as bad as that would be. At least we could kind of find some kind of comfort in that. But, um, yeah. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. So maybe, maybe the story here, maybe what can wrap this up for me would be to teach through this section. Um. I wonder how I wonder how old I mean it's not that not that age is a limiter what Sarah was closing in on 100 right, right she was like right. 90 um but man maybe maybe that's the unpacking so how do you how do you trust how do you trust while you wait and maybe maybe uh, Abraham's story is a good example of well, I was Still stuck on Zachariah, who <clears throat> doesn't trust, right? Not at first, he's thinking, how, how, he questioned, I mean, that almost is verbatim the question, how can I trust you when how my can wife, I, how can I know this is going to yeah, be? How do I know this is going to be when my wife is advanced in, in years? And thus, <laughs> then he's unable to speak until the prophecy. And wh- what, what would that be like? Waiting, unable to communicate. <laughs> that, this, you know what? This is a great example of what we what I'm looking for. This would be good because the idea of saying, because because I don't know. I think it's hard for us to know what does waiting even mean. Does waiting mean I just sit on my hands? Like if I'm if I'm a single person and I want to be married, does waiting mean? Mm. Does waiting on the Lord mean I'm not allowed to join a dating website? Does yeah. waiting on the Lord mean I'm I'm not allowed to pursue somebody like? And I feel like we have this weird definition of of waiting, and I've got to unpack in my brain, you know, that 
waiting can't mean merely inactivity. It's got to mean something more like yeah. not taking the reins. Yeah. Not going outside of God's best. Like not choosing something other than you know God would choose for you. And it's like that's poor waiting. Poor waiting is solving things in a way that, well, it's, it's trusting in our own understanding yeah. over the Lord's understanding. Yeah. Let me take a handmaiden. I know yeah. God said, my wife Sarah, but I can figure this out the other way. Yeah, mm-hmm. surely that's close to the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not my wife, but it is her handmaiden. So yeah. legally the child would be mine. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, the thought of... By the way, I have, I have in my notes, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know? I have a note that just says, well, in about nine months, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. But this is, this is before she's conceived. So there's a, he gets yeah, to spend a full 10 months uh-huh. not speaking, apparently. Um, and his job is a, I mean, he's a temple worker. Right. He's, he's kind of unemployed for the next 10, 10 months, too. So he keeps <laughs> the the frustration. Has he kept making signs to them and remained mute? Um, like I just picture this like constant like no no no. <laughs> like that would be so frustrating. Um, he's already a prankster, yeah. so he gets fired. Well, they're like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, okay, Zechariah. Okay, well, okay, 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 okay. Jinx! I said your name. <laughs> All right, great. I mean, even in right after he hears from the from the angel this message. <laughs> That he can't speak. It, it says in 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering about his delay in the temple. Oh, yeah. we got <laughs> and, the when he, and when he came out, he was unable to speak. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, they're already waiting for him because oh, he's man. just being slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taking a longer time than normal. And then now they have 10 months of that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he can't tell him what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and Gabriel appeared to me. They I mean, re- I- yeah, they realized he had seen a vision and he came kept making signs to them and remained mute. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the only time that in my opinion, by the way, so normally when angels show up, people fall on their face mm-hmm. and they, you know, they have these, these weird responses. And this is such a weird, like what does it say about the character of Zechariah that, that, that the, that Gabriel himself has appeared to Zechariah and says, speaks this and Gabriel's going kind of person to person during mm-hmm. this time. He's going to tell Mary, he's going to tell Joseph, he's going to tell, Zechariah, and he comes to Zechariah, and I, I don't. This is the only time I feel like Gabriel's like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> when he pushes back, how shall I know this? And the angel said to him, "I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God." Maybe Gabriel didn't know that he needed glasses or something. It's like he couldn't <laughs> yeah, see him. Exactly. Like, All right, like, just picture wait. like Gabriel stuttering in and of like, "Yeah, I am Gabriel." Okay, you can. Oh, oh, you're you're already standing. uh, why are you standing okay great no one's Uh, ever standing i I stand in the presence of god (laughs) that's what i meant to say who do you Uh, think i am get back up you're fine oh everybody else fell down yeah it's it's a i am i am i mean the ain't gabriel seems offended to me at Mm. least in this like you are questioning me i am my job is literally to deliver god's word and you're dubious how's you know anyway maybe maybe i don't just play off herod against mary but just zechariah yeah i mean mary is there's no dubious in well how is how can this be since i'm a virgin she does ask a question does i don't know she doesn't ask 
how will I know it though? That's yeah. Zechariah seems like hers is not I don't trust you. It is this is how is this possible? This doesn't make sense. Zechariah's is definitely how shall I know this is definitely a mm-hmm. I'm doubting you. I don't believe you. This can't be right. Mm. Yeah, that would be fun to unpack him. I wish we knew more about Elizabeth. Of course, I haven't searched her yet to discover in the you know church histories and the all that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah, Mary. Then of course Mary greets and visits Elizabeth, and we don't we don't know yet. So when Gabriel goes to Mary, he tells Mary about Elizabeth. But as far as we know, he does not tell Zechariah or Elizabeth about Mary. Mm. And so it's a, um. I don't think I have to look at it and look back through it carefully, but I don't think he mentions. He he does tell him that he, essentially that he's going to have a son, and that they need to. He'll be special. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will have the. He will be the essentially the fulfillment of Elijah. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's making ready for the Lord. So. So something something funny happens when Mary and Elizabeth run into each other and John the Baptist at three to six months development leaps leaps in the in the mother's womb Oof. excited about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um but Not it's almost ti- like the, timely for the conversations going around Oh yeah the court right now. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Mm. Referencing that. Is is significant? Yeah, you have a, this unborn baby. So we're at five months, I think it says, um, or later. No, in the sixth month. Six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the sixth yeah. month, Gabriel goes to. She keeps herself hidden. Five. Yeah, sixth. And so at at six months along, that's when the baby leaps. I've do some research try to remember. I feel like that's early for the baby to leap, but maybe not. Um but I would love to maybe maybe this is just maybe this is just a I need to tell this story and in the end summarize with the Magnificat. Let that be our final reading. Mm. Talk about it and just use Mary as a great example of someone who I've always thought the most impressive thing about Mary is the shocking 90 degree turn that her life takes with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what this would mean. I mean, we even, you know, we have all the way, all the way in the new Testament when Jesus goes back to Nazareth and people refer to Jesus, isn't this, this carpenter's son. And so apparently Mary's whole Holy spirit being the father was not generally accepted in Nazareth. Like mm-hmm. that was not something that apparently had been like, Oh yeah, this isn't this the Messiah. And that's it's a wild account, but here you have, you know, this young woman who's all the preparations that she must have in mind. Being married and having children is is the deal for the first century Jewish woman. But I don't even know do young do young women even do the whole hope chest thing anymore? I don't know if they even I don't know do yeah. that where what is that where they they start collecting things about their wedding day especially their wedding day, early. Yeah. Like they start cutting out pictures of dresses or whatever, 
Um, it was super common mm. for girls. I in bet high they do I similar there. these days. It's Pinterest. I feel like okay. <laughs> that <laughs> uh, like new, yeah. Because well, it, in that way is like, hey, we're I've oh I've had all these things pinned for when I get engaged, so that you know mm. I have all this. You know, this is how I want my hair to look. This is how I want all this. So I would say the concept is there still today. I'll bet. That's a good idea. That's interesting. I'll have to see if I can find. And just well, you can certainly buy them. Holy cow! <laughs> there are hope There's chests still a everywhere. Somebody can still make money off of it. Oh it's yeah! Wow. I mean, there's a three thousand dollar black walnut hope chest if you want that. Um, so the concept is still there, apparently. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have one. It just was not used for that. Okay. I didn't know that. That's what. And and they, I think, I think girls would put all kinds of like names, gotcha. children's names, all, all kinds of things that they hoped for for their own future. They mm. would put in there, um, and uh, but still, it was super common. Like I remember in school, girls would write their first name, and whoever guy they had a crush on, they'd write his last name to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it's fascinating how often women will have that, or young ladies will have that thinking ahead that. I mean, if you ask most, if I bet if we ask the students go up there, on, that'd be a funny thing to do. Like, what what guys? Okay, guys, I'm gonna go to the guys' ninth grade class and be like, okay, what names do you think you'll name your children someday? And that will be the first time they've ever thought of it, right? And all they'll have is goofy answers. That'll yeah. be it. Like they'll be like, they'll they'll scream. Walker and Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the girls will have. Like, oh, I thought about this one and discarded it, and then I thought mm-hmm. maybe this one, and, you know, then I met somebody, with, and, like, they would have, I'll bet, a sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And so just that whole idea of Mary not even get, she didn't get to name her firstborn child what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she didn't get to decide when she was going to be pregnant. She was going to be pregnant on her wedding day, probably. Like, all of these things that are not usually part of the plan um, and carried with it all these consequences, potential consequences for, and it seems to me like she doesn't even know. Yeah. Like that's she doesn't know what Joseph's going to say to all this. Mm-hmm. She just trusts that God knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, and in fact, Joseph's instinct is not positive mm-hmm. at first. Yeah. I mean, it's positive for his era. He's going to be gentle about it. Yeah. But man, that's so tough. I guess, and I'm not trying to get us straight straying off the thing. What like in his decision not to divorce her? What did that mean for them? So they were betrothed, which right. means official. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that could have been practiced. Some say that she may have already lived in his father's compound, mm-hmm. that during the betrothal, the wife would go live in the compound somewhere. But um, it certainly but, means like, <clears throat> I mean, there's a social implication. There is a financial implication. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. in the way that the world worked, the Jewish community worked at the time, I think probably most fascinating was the first time I read um the comparison of there's no room in the inn, mm-hmm. um, that that really like no room in the house. If if you're a good standing Jew, um, as this family was, it's not that every place was full and he had nowhere to go because you, you could go to family. You mm-hmm. went to family you right. went and stayed. And so this very well may be an implication of like, there was no welcome for them from anybody mm-hmm. because yeah. of the condition she was in essentially in this yep. unwed pregnancy. Mm. And so, yeah, so there, there certainly is a strong implication with it, but 
Interesting. It, it makes okay. even hearing you talk about and and just thinking it it makes you do give at least some sympathy to the over glorification of Mary in from our Catholic brothers and sisters. Like, right. Well, if you're going to prop somebody up, man, think to think about her life. Yes. And what it what it was, and how much it went through is is, yeah, that's an interesting concept. Yep. Oh, there's no. It's one of those weird ones where it's like. And there's no doubt she is worthy of mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just the the quality of character that Mary exemplifies. She's another one of those few people we have in Scripture who we get much press about her, and there's no obvious fault. Obvious fault. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the one scene where the whole family comes and kind of declares Jesus crazy. And it, the implication is that Mary's there, but it's it's not it's kind of like uh, you know Joseph with the divining cup. Like, yeah. uh, I a mean, hint. I mean, there's that. <laughs> yeah. mm. Okay, but it's you, it's not like you could say this was a problem for Mary because we don't we don't really know. She right. might have been there going be, like, yeah. James, stop it, James, stop it. Like we don't know what she was doing with mm-hmm. the. Anyway, but I think that's a. Uh, she is such an amazing person, and is especially given the situation, the conditions that God puts her in. Um, I used to ask the students, remember Young Guns and Baby Roots or whatever, We, I would ask, especially the girls, like, let's discuss whether or not Mary had a choice in this. Because Mary responds to it, let's do it. I, d- I don't know what happens if Mary says, yeah, no thanks. Like, does Gabriel go, okay, okay, first on the list, crossed off, I'll go to the <laughs> next one. And so, like, I, d- I don't know if, if she got a say in it mm-hmm. or not. Cause we, and, and it's kind of one of those cool, like, we don't have to know because yeah. she embraced it so fully. Um, which man, I just, I don't see me doing that. And back to, and I commented to you after your sermon on Sunday of just that notion of how many people were so close and and missed it Mm. and how many of like, even these, these people we're reflecting on today are this close and could have missed it, but didn't. And, and what, what does that reflect? Even this morning on the way to uh, work, I was listening to John one, um, and so here, here we are again talking about he didn't miss it. Apparently, even in the womb, he didn't miss it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he was from it from the whole time. But at his testimony, when when they came and and asked him, it was he the Messiah? He denies it, of course. Um, and then they ask him why he's baptizing, and John answers, he that he just baptizes with water. But among you stands one you do not know. He's like he's ouch. right here. Like yep. you're asking mm. me about him. Mm. He's the one you're supposed to be focusing on. How on earth do you confuse me for him? <laughs> I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Man, what a great reminder even in this season as as so much is thrown at us of the culture of Christmas and how how easily we can recognize how we can miss Christ. Yep, so good. It's beautiful stuff.